minister to you a message that speaks about an aftermath. The aftermath of conversion. I was talking to the kids in confirmation this morning about purpose and how that it's bigger than we think it is and that people are depending on us being who we're supposed to be. Did you know that? Did you know there's someone in your life, maybe they're already in your life, maybe they're yet to come into your life, that needs for you to be the full man or woman of God that you can possibly be. They need your help. God has included you in His plan for their deliverance and their help. When you begin to think of things like that, you see the team concept in Christianity, and you see why it is so important for you to be clicking on all cylinders at all times. Why it is so devastating when you are willfully ignorant of what God has already told each and every one of us. And when you don't realize how important you really are. And there's an aftermath of every encounter that we have with God. There's a reason and there's a purpose that we have accepted the Lord. And it's not just the fire insurance. It's not just to go to heaven. That is just so weak. To say, well, I got saved and I'm going to heaven and I'm just going to get do my job and just sort of go through life. That's so incredibly selfish. People need the Jesus in you. People that are weaker than you. People that aren't where you are and haven't been experienced and been exposed to what you're exposed with. I will give account about everything that I know. Everything that I have been exposed to. Every experience that I have experienced, I am accountable for that. And I take that very seriously. And I would hope and pray that every Christian does not take for granted their experience and their relationship and their exposure to God's Spirit, His power, and His Word. Again, it's bigger than you think it is, and you are more important than you think you are. I think of a story of little Seth and little Jesse. This was back in Palestine, Texas. Jesse was, what, four, five? That would have made Seth about seven or eight, something like that. And uh, Seth had accepted Jesus as a Savior, but Jesse was still a sinner. He was only five. (laughs) And nobody really knows what the age of accountability is. as a child, my dad, I'd tell him, I said, Dad, when should people get saved? He says, well, when you come to the age of knowing right and wrong, when you're aware of good and evil. Um, I like to say if you're capable of sin, you're capable of being saved. So Jesse, Jesse as a, as a young child, uh, boy, he was a, a spark plug. <laughs> that red hair, there must be something to that, you know. But he was just always moving, always full of energy. And, and it was like if you looked at him, he had one eyebrow up and was going, <laughs> I mean, there was something there. And, and some of the senior adults in our church would look at him and say, boy, that kid's got an agenda, you know. And I remember Brother Holm, he loved Jesse especially. And, and uh, he, just, he just loved Jesse's energy and his fire. And uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know where they were. But one day Seth was... Uh, uh, it was after church. I didn't know where they were. Uh, Seth was just moved to just talk to Jesse about Jesus. And I think they'd either come in from church or out of out of uh, children's church. And we had this 
gold cross that was suspended by fishing wire. It looked like it was floating in the foyer. It was really neat, right in front of a, 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 a table like this and some mirrors. And um, Seth comes up to us and says, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that uh, I led Jesse to the Lord. And we said, you did? He said, he said yeah, I did. He, he said, I, I, I led him to the Lord and right there in the foyer of the church. And what happened was the weeks following, a lot of the people in church that began coming up to us and they said, what happened to Jesse? I said, well, what do you mean? You know, well, there's something different about him. There, there, there's something that has changed in his life. And the only thing that we could track back and find out that had happened in his life that was a definite marker there was that moment when Seth led Jesse to Jesus there in the foyer of the church one Sunday afternoon. There is an aftermath to a conversion. When you've had an encounter, whether you're 53 or whether you're 5, it doesn't matter, and you haven't had an intersection with Jesus Christ, There's going to be a change. There's going to be a difference in your life. Because how can you meet the creator of all things? The one that is self-existent. The one that through the, the voice of his command, the stars appeared in the universe. How can you meet him and there not be any change in your life? I asked one of the kids this morning, I said... Do you remember riding a roller coaster? What, what is the most important thing that you recently remembered? Well, Jesus should be more evident than anything you ever encounter in this life. And if you can't think back to an encounter, an intersection with Jesus, it's not a one-time experience. Then you simply ask God for an encounter. I told you this already that a couple of weeks ago at camp, one of the kids came up to me. I don't remember. I remember it's a female. That's all I know. A little girl walked up to me in the darkness there at camp at the cross chapel. And she walked over to me and she said, Brother David. I said, yes. Couldn't make out her face because of the, the shadows and the light and the darkness. She said, you asked us to ask God for an encounter. And I just want you to know that Jesus called my name. He spoke. He called me by my first name. She said, when I ask him, I want to talk with you. And I want to just you be you and me. He says, Cynthia. And begin to talk to her through her mind and through her spirit. And it's a, a moment that she'll never forget. We tried to give them a moment they'd never forget in enacting physically the Battle of Gideon. And that was fun. I'll never forget that. That was great. But that little girl wasn't talking about the people in the woods blowing the horns and, and, and rattling the pots and pans and yelling the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. What she remembered from that night was God calling her by her first name. You see, there's an aftermath. There's an afterglow to an encounter with Jesus Christ. And it's that afterglow that is going to change your world. It's not just you, but in that personal encounter, your life is changed. And then you will begin to be exposed to other people who've never had that experience that don't realize that God is more than just a confession. He's more than just something inside the the pages of this leather-bound book. That he is alive and he's talking with people and changing people's life. So after conversion, which is a personal encounter, you're going to experience a changed life. But after 
affiliation, which is a different concept that many church people have. An affiliation is really a religious membership. You remain the same. You don't change. My good friend who's preached in this pulpit, and I'd like, man, next time Dirk comes in the United States, I want him to come back. He's ministering now in South Africa, but, but I went and visited him when he was in London preaching on the streets. And I remember a Muslim guy that was taunting him while he was preaching on the streets. And Dirk just got tired of hearing Jesus is dead and you're a liar while he was trying to. Can you imagine preaching the gospel? You know, sometimes we preachers, we'd love to hear an amen every now and then. Some type of agreement, a nod the head, a smile. I'm with you, preacher. Keep telling the truth. But how would it be when, if you were up here preaching and you had people cursing God's name, cursing you, telling you that you were a liar, while you were preaching the good news? This is what Dirk experienced. And Dirk just got tired of it one day. And a Muslim that was pacing back and forth in front of him while he's up on that stepladder, and the 90 people that are trying to listen, Dirk just stops and says, Sir, are you a Muslim? And the guy says, what's it to you? So I'm just curious. I, I think that you are. Are you a Muslim? And the guy tried to delay me. He says, are you ashamed of being a Muslim? Because I'm not ashamed of being a Christian. The guy says, well, yeah, I'm a Muslim. Why do you ask? He said, I could tell. He says, well, how can you tell? He said, I can tell by your filthy mouth. <laughs> he said, you see, sir, when I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, Jesus changed my mouth. He changed my life. He changed my thoughts. He changed me. He said, and your God hasn't changed you at all. He said, before you met Allah, you had a filthy mouth. And after you met Allah, you have a filthy mouth. And there's no agent of change in your life. And you know why? Because the guy has a religious affiliation. There is no such thing as Allah. It's in, it's in someone's imagination. There is one true God. His name is Yahweh. And his son is Jesus Christ. And he's come to die for your sins and to save your soul and to change your life. In effect, changing your world, which is your friend's and your environment. So there's a difference between a personal encounter with Jesus and a religious affiliation or membership. Aftermath, the, the meaning of the word aftermath means this. It is signs or results of an event or an occurrence. That's what an aftermath is. And what I want to ask you is, what is your aftermath from accepting Christ? Did God change your life? Did he change your language? Did he change your habits? Did he change your thoughts and your prejudices? Is there a difference in your life? When people ask you, what is it different about you that you're serving Jesus Christ? Would you have died like John Huss did? Man, that is one of the things that challenges me as a Christian. Not only as a minister, but would I have gone to the stake? Or would I have been more worried about saving my skin? Would I have been tempted to say, I'm worth more to God alive than I am dead? Would I have gone that far? John Huss was not a religious person. He was a man of God that had had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And it was so important to him that his life was not as valuable as his testimony and who he represented. That is the difference. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. Let's talk about someone who had this encounter. We talked about it last week. His name was Saul, which which means desired, and uh, and he we know him by his Greek name or his Roman name. I'm sorry, which is Paul, which means little, small man, you know, just a little guy. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember, Paul or Saul was a terrorist to Christianity. 
What a Christian thought of as being a Christian, the last person he wanted to encounter was Saul. Because Saul was going out to try to find a way to kill Christians. He had a major part in the stoning death of Stephen, the great man of God. And he was what everybody feared. Because this guy was the devil's agent. And now he's preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name, Jesus? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, what was the difference between Paul and Saul? What, what happened there? There was an encounter with Jesus Christ, the person, on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He was living on a religious affiliation before that. And that's what led him to oppose the Savior of the world. But when he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, everything changed. He now realizes that his purpose in life is to preach the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is the Son of God. But his his religious affiliation never told him that. Never illuminated him to that. So he went about doing great damage to the church. Paul was the real, I mean, Saul was the first real heretic. He was an enemy of the church. And later on in his writings, he often comments, I am the chiefest among sinners. Paul realized what his heritage was. But his encounter with Jesus changed everything. And these encounters are still happening, even as I'm speaking. People that have once been enemies of the church, are being converted by the power of Jesus Christ, and they're changing the world. They're doing incredible things. I've read this book, and I've encouraged many of you to read it. Read it. It's, it's entitled Son of Hamas. It's by this fellow. His name is Mossab Hassan Youssef. This guy here was a terrorist. He was a, a, a Hamas or Palestinian, and he was... Uh, he was captured by the Shin Bet, which is the uh, Israeli secret police, and he was interrogated, and he was turned a witness against the Hamas, and then he met some Christians that were doing a Bible study on Jesus Christ in Jerusalem from England. And in his, because the, the, the Islamists, they respect Jesus as a prophet, they don't consider him the son of God, he was interesting to hear about Jesus. And when he heard about Jesus, he opened his heart that Jesus can change a life. And he eventually receives Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And now there's a contract on his life. His parents has considered him dead, even though they know he's living in America somewhere. This guy is a modern day Paul, Saul turned Paul, and he is walking with Jesus Christ. As I'm telling you today, this continues to happen. Jesus continues to have encounters with people. And if you want a good read, you want to enjoy something, and read something that's going to really rock your world into what you should be, and how that Jesus has also changed your life, I challenge you to accept this challenge. Find this book, Son of Hamas, and read it. You can get it on Amazon. It's an incredible read. God is still changing people's lives he hasn't worn out he hasn't stopped 
But when your life is changed, the enemy won't be impressed. Everybody's not going to stop and say, hey, I want to write your story. I want to make you famous. No, the world will never be impressed with Jesus in you. They won't. They'll continue to treat you with contempt. They'll continue to do what they're doing. But heaven, heaven is watching you. That great cloud of witnesses is pulling for you to make the difference that you were destined to make in your world. Acts chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. This is after Saul's conversion. And now he's a man of God. Is the world impressed? Well, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill Paul or Saul. But Saul learned of their plan, and day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to trap him and to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. I would have been one of them. How about you? Hey, guys, you're not going to believe this, but this guy named Osama bin Laden, he's a Christian now. And he wants to come and celebrate with you in worship. <laughs> I'd tell my ushers, keep an eye with, on, on any man in a robe. Don't let him in here. I'd be extremely suspicious and concerned for your safety. This was the reputation of Saul. And even though Jesus had changed his life, the enemy was not Impressed. Jesus Christ does the unimaginable in a life. Only God can change a heart. As a minister, as a pastor, and as a called servant of God, one of my jobs is to convince, to persuade, and to do everything in my power to persuade you to the right way. But you know what? Nobody can do that like Jesus can. I can't. Change a heart. And it's a, it's a frustration to a minister that, that he can't change a heart. Because we, we feel that heart of God. But only the Lord can get inside your psyche and do what needs to happen. I've had times when I've given it my best shot and nobody was moved. And I thought, what can I do? What, what, I can't, I don't have anything else to bring to the table. And then I've had times when I stunk. I was sorry. I was off. I was lame. And it just wasn't happening. And some come, someone comes up and says, man, my life was changed. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> Where were you three weeks ago? It was a lot better. But it wasn't me that changed their life. It was God that changed their life and their heart. That's why at funerals, we don't preach people into heaven. We don't preach people out of heaven. Because you never know what God has done at the last hour. God has given us a blessed hope. And that's why we hope for the best. And that's why I think, well, what church did you go to? Who did you hear preaching? And if that preacher was dynamic or lame, it doesn't matter. What matters is what happened in that person's heart when they yielded to God's voice. Jesus does the unimaginable. If you've got someone in your life that you think is unchangeable, somebody that has offended you and done horrible things to you, I'm going to tell you something. You need to accept the fact that God can change their heart. But that is ultimately up to that person yielding to God's voice. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Allow God to change your life. And when you do that, you will blow people's minds. Because you'll be a walking miracle. 
You'll be a walking example of who Jesus is. And it may be something small that you've done. Even a smile. Did you know that we, you know what? We need to do something. We need, we need to have a ministry of smiles in this church. There's a lot of people say, well, I, I can't sing. I can't preach. And I'm really terrified of getting behind that pulpit. And I don't have any money to give the poor. Anybody can smile. You'd be shocked and surprised that if you walked up to somebody at your workplace or in your family and you broke that scowl off your face and smiled at them, it would blow their mind. And you know what they might see? They just might see Jesus smiling through you. Anything, any movement, anything positive that you have to bring to the table could blow somebody else's mind. God has a way of using the simplest tools to do the most incredible things. Amen? I remember I preached a sermon years ago here. And I, I think one of the things I said, I said, if you're happy, notify your face. And I, I, I was sort of going on this, this, this thing. And there was a person in the church that rarely smiled. And I wasn't preaching at the person, but they just rarely smiled. And when they walked through the line, they blessed my socks off. It shocked me beyond reason. I was sitting there, I shook their hand, and they, 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 they went, <laughs> just, just put on a big smile. And you know what? That one moment, affected me for the rest of the week. Did I, did I tell you about it? Boys, you remember me telling you about it? I told the boys at the I said, you're not going to believe this. They smiled at me so big and it was the coolest thing. And ne- the next Sunday, I thought, did that wear off? It might have wore off. And I want to get my hopes up. I put my hand up. They went. They smiled at me again. And they, you know, were they being sarcastic? I sure hope not. I sure hope not. But what they were doing, it blessed me. It lifted me up. I thought, wow, that's incredible. I'd never seen that on their person. You'd be shocked at some of the simplest things that you've got, what a difference you can make in somebody's life. People need what you have. And God wants to use you in an incredible, incredible way. You can be a world changer by doing the simplest things to, that will blow people's minds. Acts chapter 9, verses 27 through 31. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. This is Barnabas, one of the great men of God, one of the people that were going around preaching. He took and brought him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with these apostles, stayed with the people he wanted so badly to wipe out. Because if he could get these guys, he could possibly wipe out this religion called Christianity. He could take and rip out the voice of Christianity. So he stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Holy of, of the Lord, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. What an incredible thing! Now the Christians were not as afraid as they had been because this terrorist of Christianity had become one of them, and they were encouraged that if God can change Saul, He can change that person that I think is unchangeable in my life, friend. God has some incredible assignments for you. But in order for you to meet those assignments, 
In order for you to be effective, you need to have more than a religious affiliation. You need to have a personal intersection, a personal encounter where you meet that person called creator, called self-existent one, star breather, the one who has done all things and can change anything, you need to meet him. And when you do, you become effective beyond your wildest imaginations. Even when you smile, you change things. What an incredible thought. And this incredible thought is your destiny. It's your assignment to be an aftermath, an afterglow of your conversion. Because there's nothing average about the God that changes you. Nothing. Nothing average. He doesn't create average people. So you're not just a run-of-the-mill human being slugging it out on this spinning mud heap doing the best you can. You are a force of light. You are a force of truth and power. You have the potential to do incredible things. His will is not boring. (laughs) Trust me. He will challenge you every day. He will speak very vividly to your heart. And when he talks to you, there'll be no doubt. Just like that young girl walked up to me at Pioneer Camp not too long ago and said, Brother David, he called me by my first name. He spoke mine. He knows me. There's nothing boring about an encounter with Jesus Christ. His purposes, they're challenging. They really are. He's going to stretch you. He's going to pull you. There's going to be times when he's going to call you to make sacrifices. He's going to call you to take a stand. He's going to call you to say things. That's not you, but it's him. And you do it because the purpose is greater than you. His rewards, they are challenging. They are, they are, they are awesome. I'm sorry. His rewards are incredible. They're awesome. God has great things in store for you. To the obedient Untold riches, untold joy, untold blessing. And all you have to do is what I spoke over these children this morning. As I spoke over them to be obedient to their moms and dads. You know what, moms and dads? We're not right about everything. Yet it is God's will that your children obey you in all things. They respect you and they honor you. And the really cool thing about God, he's right about everything. So it's easier for us to obey our Heavenly Father than it is for your children to obey you. But yet you expect and demand that obedience from your earthly children. How much more does God deserve your honor and your respect? His rewards are awesome. The aftermath of an encounter with Jesus is a changed life. A changed life. Do you believe that? Will you trust God with that? A thought hit me while I was writing this message, and it's true. This is true about a lot of people that we go to work with, we go to school with, and we bump in to the elbows and the shoulders of people at Brookshire's and Walmart or wherever you go. Some people, some people think they're more apt to conjure an evil spirit on an Ouija board than they are to invoke God and his presence through prayer. They have more respect for evil than they do for righteousness. 
I'm telling you something, friend. God is easier to contact than an evil spirit. He's listening to everything you say at all times. The enemy doesn't hear you every time you think and talk, but God does. You have more power, more access to the Holy Spirit than any evil presence. This is what baffles me when people believe in ghosts, they believe in all these other things, and they don't ever give God a second thought. They don't realize who He is and who they are. So my questions today are you are this. Are you bored? Are you unchallenged in your Christian walk? Do you desire an encounter? Are you willing to experience the aftermath of that encounter? Or are you willing to walk away today with dull religion and no personal encounter? I want to encourage you to walk away from dull religion and into the arms of our living, powerful Savior. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to want an encounter with God. That's the first step. Desire an encounter with God. Because anything else I'm going to say after this is going to happen until you want that. God, I want an intersection. I believe you are who you, you said you are. I've accepted you in my heart as my personal Savior. I've confessed you with my mouth. God, I want an encounter. I believe there's more. The next step is ask God for an encounter. Because the incredible thing is, is when you ask God for intimacy, you're going to get it. God, I want more. Is there really more? Are there people that need me to be who I'm supposed to be? I can't do that unless you're with me in a real and very powerful way. So God, I want an encounter. And then when you do that, remember this. It will be unique to you. You are all individuals. We're not a cookie cutter. We're not the same. We don't act the same. We think differently. We all have different opinions. So God, because he created you to be unique, will move in you in a unique way. Trust him. Ask him. Don't say, well, I'm not acting like the preacher, or I'm not acting like that evangelist, I'm not acting like... You know, I'm not like John Huss. No, God doesn't want you to be like those people. He wants you to be like Him, how He created you. Are you hearing me? He wants to be unique in you because you are unique. And then after that, here's what's going to happen. You are going to change your world. You're going to affect the environment that you're in. That is what happens. That is the aftermath. That is the afterglow. There's got to be something there when you've encountered Christ. You're going to make a difference wherever you are. Stand with me, please, and let's pray. While I'm praying, I want you to ask God. I want you to be personal. Because I can't possibly know what's going on in your life. I can't. And it wouldn't be ethical for me to go around snooping in your business and finding out what's going on in your life. But the Holy Spirit does know. He knows the things that you don't want Him to know. He knows everything. And I want you to ask the Lord, God, I need you. I need you to be real. If there are doubts in your mind, you need an encounter. You need for Him to become that real in your heart and your life. 
And then I want you to offer yourself to be used. God, when that moment comes, when my friends or my environment needs me to be who I'm supposed to be, I don't want to let the team down. I don't want to let you down. I want to be what someone else was to me that brought you to where you are right now. Exposed to the gospel. Worshiping him on a Sunday morning. While I'm praying, if you'll ask God to be real in your life, he will. Heavenly Father, right now, I just intercede for every man, woman, and child in this room today. God, we want more than religion. We want more than affiliation. We want an encounter. We want an experience. We want an intersection with the King of glory. It is our destiny, Lord. We accept that, God. Forgive us, Lord, for categorizing you as a boring part of our life. Please forgive us for that. God, let us walk in newness, in fresh vision, where that you are planting things in our minds to do that are new and bold, daring, challenging, to make a difference in this world that we live in. So that when we die and we perish and we go to be with you, that there will be a difference. People say, wow, what a difference that they made. But we'll leave a residue, a remainder of you in someone else's life. God, help us to matter. I pray, Jesus, that you would, you would use us, call us, talk to us. We desire a fresh walk, a fresh talk. Your voice involved in our hearts and our lives. We love you, we respect you, and we thank you, God, for being real. In Jesus' name, God's children said, Amen. Amen.